Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for photographer Ron Timmerhin. During the years I was traveling and taking photos, I was uploading my images to Instagram. And so over the years, I kind of built up a following on Instagram. And that's how my work got exposed to brands and people interested in my photography. You've held up your side of the, the bargain, basically. You've, so when it comes to payment, they're just late, and it's just look, it's really there's a slap in the face. Every day seems to be a work day, but it's fun, and I love it. So it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, so there is Ron, who's got a cracking story coming up in a moment. Uh, Remember, you can find details of everything that our guests are up to at beingfreelance.com. At the website, there is, and uh, I'm quite pleased with the way the website's grown, because it did used to be the episodes of the podcast, but also on there now, you've got lots of articles that you can read about freelancing. There is also the vlog, so the videos that I do where I document my freelance week. So yeah, go take a look. And if you enjoy what we're doing, with the podcast and with the videos and everything then yeah just help the spread the word do, do us a favor that would be brilliant uh, you could also sign up to the email list at beingfreelance.com and uh, and then you know get updates on what we're up to and things like that like the live episode that we're doing in june or the event i'm doing for freelance heroes day where i'm doing a talk if you're in the uk in may all of that is at beingfreelance.com and you get the details on the newsletter as well right now though let's chat to ron Ron Timmerhin, who is a freelance photographer based in London. Hey, Ron. Hello, hello. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing this. Really looking forward to hearing your story. So how about we crack on with that, actually, and hear how you got started being freelance? Sure. So um, uh, my story is a little bit odd. It's um, a bit of a roundabout route of getting into photography. But um, I'd say it, it really started when um, I was a musician, actually, when I was younger. I used to play the trumpet. Um, and from the age of about seven years old, I was playing, practicing and working up the grade system. And by that point, I think by the time I was 16, I'd managed to do my grade eight, which is the highest you could get. And from there, I began traveling and playing with different bands, different orchestras, um, different jazz ensembles. And that's where I think my passion for photography really started blossoming, mainly because I was seeing some incredible sights and I felt I needed to document it. And so that's kind of how it started. Did you leave school at 16 as a freelance musician then? No, no. So I carried on through A-levels. Um, I then went to university, but from the period of about seven years old till about six, well, 18, I was playing throughout that entire period. And then and then you travelled the world as a musician? Yes, during those times. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> That's so cool. But uh, So at what point did you start to think, well, actually, I'm actually pretty good at this. Um, maybe people would pay me to do it. Like, how did that go from being a hobby to being a, a career? So that didn't happen until much later. I believe it was around about the end of my university degree. That's when I really started thinking about my options. And so just a little bit of background. I went to university to study the music industry, um, to learn about record labels, A&Rs, that kind of thing. And I found it wasn't really for me. And so at that point, that's when photography really started becoming my main passion. And so from that transition of university to real life, that's when I decided to to give it a go and try and make some money from it. So when you left uni, did you ever have, in quotation marks, a proper job? N- well, no, not initially, but I did give freelance a go when I first left university for about, let's say, six months or so. At the time, I didn't have a big enough client base and I didn't have the knowledge or the skills to to be successful at it. And so I then went into um, a full-time job at Apple 
working as um, retail staff in Regent Street. So, so how long were you at Apple? And um, did you then freelance on the side of that? Yes. So I was at Apple for not too long. It was I was only a Christmas temp. That was the only position they had. So I was there for about three to four months. But during that time, I was freelancing on the side and still building my network and working on my craft at the same time. It was taxing, but I needed the income to support me to do that. So it was necessary. And how did you go about finding those first paying freelance clients? So I, I think I was fortunate enough that during the years I was traveling and taking photos, I was uploading my images to Instagram. And so I, over the years, I kind of built up a following on Instagram. And that's how my work got exposed to, um, to brands and people interested in my photography. And so a lot of my work actually came through social media initially, which was really good. And did you target those brands or did they, were they simply scouring Instagram looking for talented photographers? Um, it was a bit of a mixture. A lot of them contacted me, which was really, really nice to, hit, nice to have. But I was active in searching for, for work as well, definitely. And because social media and Instagram was what I knew, I, re- I, I reached out to people that way. So I'd DM brands. Sometimes I'd get replies, sometimes I didn't. Other times I would send out emails to the agencies that represented the brands. Just, uh, yeah, any way I could get hold of somebody in marketing or PR that I could work with, I, I tried basically. So does that mean that quite early on as a freelancer, you were working with pretty good brands? I think, yeah, it, it, it was a mixture. It was up and down. So some of the times I was working with small brands, watch brands, which were big on Instagram during that time. The kind of def- definitive one that I had early on was Adidas. And um, I was commissioned to shoot some some new sneakers for Adidas. And they found me through Instagram. So that was really, really cool. I mean, they were a brand I'd always wanted to work with. And so when it happened during that time, I didn't feel like I was ready, which I think that's always the case when you're first going into freelance or you're first doing work. But yeah, it went, went well. And yeah, since then, it's been, been really good. Now I work with them a lot. And did you feel then when they approached you that you even had, I guess, like the business chops to deal with that? Um, no, not particularly. <laughs> not particularly. I mean, from, from what I'd learned at university within the business of music, I sort of translated that into the photography space. So I had a rough idea, but I was definitely naive. Man, what an, what an opportunity. And how did you then capitalize on that opportunity? So I just made sure that the shoot I did do for them, I made sure I smashed it out of the park, basically. Um, I knew that first impressions were really important. So yeah, I put all my effort into that shoot and they were really happy with it. So that was really, really good fun to do. The weird thing was at this point, I still wasn't freelance. So once I'd left Apple, I then realized that social media was a very good way to get business. And so I decided to learn more about that space. And so for the next basically year and a half, two years after Apple, I began working for a social media channel called London. And they basically run London Instagram. So they had around 2 million followers. And I was working with them um, in creating social media campaigns, shooting content for brands, going to meetings, learning about the business of social media. And I think that's where a lot of my connections came from and a lot of my knowledge as well. Ah, I see. So, okay. So, so after Apple, there's still this period of two years as a social media manager isn't the right word, but it seems a lot more creative within it as well, though. It was. So it was a very small team. Um, there were only about four or five of us. So um, we were juggling lots of different roles. Um, it was a startup company. So yeah, it meant a lot of different things, talking to clients, uh, managing accounts, shooting content. Yeah, good time. So yeah, great being within a small team and being able to learn all those skills. And is that where, because, you know, a lot of your photography that you're known for is cityscape 
you know, like your images of London are just incredible. Did, did a lot of that come from that point? Um, so yeah, I had connections with London before just because of the, the Instagram community. But do you know what's really weird? I only realized this while I was looking back recently. And I think it came from music, strangely enough. And I think it came from myself playing a lot of jazz. I used to play lots of jazz, lots of blues. And obviously, you know, it's very atmospheric, very moody, sad music. And so that kind of translated into my imagery. Well, I like to think my image is pretty. Um, it's still got that kind of dark undertone. That's how that kind of came around. While you were working for that company, was was there the opportunity for your work to be used by them, if you see what I mean? Was there a crossover? Yeah, for sure. So I got features on the channel, which was really good. So obviously, when they've got an audience of 2 million people, that's a lot of eyes on my work. So that, that drove traffic to my page and my website. That was a, that was a good period for me. Um, funny enough, at the same time, I was still freelancing. So that was even more hectic than working at Apple. And so I tried to combine the two elements. So working on social and um, pursuing photography without social as well and try to combine the two. How did you manage that period, like balancing those two jobs at the same time? Um, it was very, very hard. Very, very, very hard. But do you know what? I mean, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So I just kind of knew this is what I wanted to do. And yeah, no one was going to stop me. And I thought if I can put in the work, um, eventually something will happen where I can I can then go full-time freelance and well, try and do it successfully. And what was that something that happened? It was when my freelance work became more than my my salary job. So when I was getting shoots coming in that I wasn't, I weren't able to do just because I was working so much um, with um, the London team. That's when I made a decision. Okay, look, let's, let's go for it now. That's so cool. And when was that just to put this in perspective? That was about a year ago. So not even too long. And how's it gone since then? It's been amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's been an absolute blessing. Um, it's been very difficult for lots of different reasons. There are so many things that well, you can't plan for. That's the whole thing about freelancing is it's unpredictable, but um, it's so much fun. And that's why I love it. I mean, I can manage my own time. I can do what I want to do and I'm free to create how I create. So yeah, it's been, it's been fantastic. I can't lie. And the work has continued to come in mainly via Instagram, has it? So yeah, I would say about 70% of my work comes through Instagram. And that doesn't mean I have to share, share it on my channel, but a lot of the inquiries I do get, they've said, oh, we found you through Instagram. So Instagram and my website and recommendations, I think those are the, the main three, three platforms that I get work from. Now, the way I found you was when I got sent a WeTransfer link. And there's often an advert playing when a WeTransfer browser opens and it might be the likes of Shutterstock or Adobe. And it was Adobe, but it was you. <laughs> and it was a full-scale in-browser video. And I was like, what? Like, it was just brilliant. And just in case we transfer listening and wondering, or their clients are listening and th wondering if that stuff ever works, I was like, whoa, what's this? And forgot about my do download and went down a rabbit hole. So explain what that was. It, it was an Adobe video that I was watching, but it was you. That, yeah, that was crazy. Okay. Because I didn't know that was going to happen. So I, I, yeah, I was basically commissioned by Adobe to feature in a few videos, just promoting um, Adobe Lightroom CC um, and how I use it in my workflow. And I didn't know it was going to go that big or that viral, that makes sense. I thought it was just going to be for social media. So um, I started seeing, I started getting messages from people on Instagram, DMing me with photos saying, oh, you're on my WeTransfer page. Oh, you're on my emails. And I'm like, what? This is, this is crazy. So yeah, that, that was a surprise to me, actually. <laughs> and was that fairly recently? That was very, yeah, very recent. I think only about a month ago. So I mean, well, we filmed it last year. But um, as with everything, it takes editing time, production time, whatnot. So 
Yeah. Could say are beautiful videos. Like, what a thing to have in the future to look back. Like, it's, you know, like when your kids think you're not cool, you go, shush, shut up, watch this. Although, you know, as a jazz musician who's also a photographer, I doubt they'll ever think you're not cool. But um, how did that collaboration come about, though? I need to think. So I've worked with Adobe for the past couple of years, I'd say, um, and it's been on random projects. So on my Instagram, I used to do Instagram live tutorials as well. And I think somebody from Adobe or from the marketing agency that represented Adobe saw that. So initially, when I was when I started working with Adobe, it was to do these quick one minute tutorials that are called Lightroom coffee breaks or Photoshop coffee breaks. So that's how I kind of got my name into the Adobe family. And then when this opportunity came up, it seemed to click. They were just like, yeah, you're perfect, which is really, really, really nice to hear. So hang on. So to be clear, they came across you because you were doing live tutorials on Instagram. Yeah, I think that's what I heard, yeah. And you were doing them off your own back as in that wasn't like a paid for thing. You just started doing them. Yeah, just started doing them just to grow my channel and to help other people learn. Man, I love that. That's amazing. So, um, okay, let's go down the sort of tutorial side of things. Like, when did you start doing that? And is that something other than obviously this collaboration that that brings you work? Have you ended up doing live workshops or? Yeah, so that, um, do you know what was really good? I think it gave me time to practice actually teaching people and holding a workshop basically on my own. So since then, I've done quite a few workshops now. I did one for Adobe recently at the photography show in Birmingham. Um, That one was terrifying. I've never been so scared in my life, honestly. It was um, crazy. I think there was about 150 people in the audience. And it was also live streamed um, globally. So that I was terrified, but it went well. I've done some for Apple. I've done some for Sony. And they're always on different topics. I like to switch it up. Jeez. Well, I just love the fact that it all comes out from you putting yourself out there. Like if you'd have just sat there and thought, oh, I'll just put the photos out. That's one thing. But then, yeah, I guess they get to connect with you and see that you have a skill for teaching as well by doing it live on Instagram. How did it feel when you first started doing that Instagram live? Oh, this was was terrifying. (laughs) I was so scared. But do you know what? I think after, I think it's the first like couple of minutes. You get really nervous. And then after that, it goes away. And you realize you're talking about something that you love and something you're passionate about. And so it works. It, it really is. I do recommend doing it. Because you mentioned earlier, like Instagram community. So it's not just you broadcasting out there, presumably. There's like a, well, a, that sense of other people being around you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so I think currently I'm on around about 59,000 followers. And, and those are people I interact with daily. So when I see them interacting with my content or they're talking to me on live stream, I've met a lot of these people as well, which is really, really good. Um, so yeah, it, it, it does feel amazing to have that support behind me and to know that I'm benefiting them as well. You also on your website have learning tools, which are like digital downloads, aren't they? Yes, that's correct. So that was off the back of the Birmingham NEC photography show talks that I did. I basically, I did two talks for Sony and I did one for Adobe. And constantly throughout the Q&A sessions at the end, people would ask me, where can I download this, your, well, your, um, your presentation? And I hadn't thought about it until then. So I said, okay, look, I'll, I'll put it on my website. Um, I'll tweak them a little bit so people can understand it without me being there. And so I thought, you know what, I'll put them up for 99p just so they're accessible and affordable for, for everyone, really. Brilliant. And does that give you more ideas as to doing more kind of things like that? Yeah, definitely. I think I'll, do, I'll definitely do some more. Um, I've got a few workshops coming up um, in the near future, so I'll probably convert those to PDF as well. But what I'm really passionate about is video. 
I think I need to translate that into maybe a YouTube channel. So I'm looking into doing that now where I do little episodes where I'm teaching people what I know, basically, because I feel it's nice if it's there for people to access whenever they want and it's easy to access. Yeah. So you've got that. What other revenue streams do you have? Do you sell your work directly? Uh, yep. So some of the, the imagery I take of London and my travels, um, I sell those as prints. That's okay. I mean, I get some some income from that, which is nice. I've done some social media consultancy in the past. It depends who your client is, I guess. Um, sometimes it can be very stressful. Sometimes it can be a lot of fun um, when you're seeing your client grow. Um, so I've been doing that. That helps with income as well. But the majority of my work comes through actually shooting content and promoting on Instagram. And is that like a constant stream of work coming your way? It's, it's up and down. Some months are very dry. Well, for myself and a lot of creatives, I feel that January and February are the hard months because um, obviously you've just paid your taxes, you come off Christmas and New Year's and whatnot, and businesses tend to do their budget cycles around that period as well. So they're not really investing money into, into campaigns being shot. And so that's when you really have to budget carefully. I think so. January and February are, yeah, for me anyway, the driest two months. And then after that, it picks up and you know work comes in um, randomly. Sometimes I'll do a project where it will last three months, sometimes six months, and then I can have a consistent income then. I mean, that's the whole point of freelance. There's no security, really. It takes some time and learning to, to combat that. Yeah. How have you managed that business side of being freelance? So it, I try. what I try to do is I try to keep enough savings to last me about three months in case anything doesn't come in or late payments are, uh, late payments are the worst thing, right? Um, and just for rainy days, really. So making sure you've got enough cash in the bank to support you um, is really important. That's the main thing I'll say. What, what is it though, like, other than the fact that you need the money and you've done the work and you deserve the money, is it the chasing? It is. Do you know what? It, it's not a nice thing to do because I feel you've entered into a contract, you've held up your side of the, the bargain, basically. You've delivered the images, you've been professional. Sometimes you've had to pull strings to get the work done because they've not been efficient at it. So when it comes to payment, they're just late and it's just like, it's really is a slap in the face. So I don't know, one way I try and combat that is to charge half up front and then half on completion. That's my, my standard thing I'll always go to a brand with. Sometimes they'll say, no, um, we can do half up front, half in 30 days after. I'm like, brilliant. But the ones I really don't like is when it's either 60 days after you've shot the, the project or 90 days. How do you deal with that? Like, Do you vow not to work with them again or do you just simply shrug it off? Like, How do you? I, I have blacklisted a couple of companies, um, I can't lie, just because after a long time of working with them, they just haven't changed changed their ways. And so I've had to say, look, like, it's not beneficial for me working with you um, because you're affecting my cash flow and you're unprofessional. So, But that's very rare. I've only done that to maybe two companies. I think the tricky thing is when you're working with, as a freelancer and you're working with a client, you bugging them for money, it kind of deteriorates the, the relationship. It, kind, it makes it a bit sour. And I don't feel that's right. Mainly because you've done the job, it's now their duty to pay you. So I don't feel like it's right for us as freelancers to, be, to then be chasing them for something that you're rightly owed and then feel bad about it. So yeah, it is an awkward thing always, but that's why you need to have that money saved in the bank so that you're not constantly trying to chase them. Yeah. Obviously there was a period where you were working round the clock by the sounds of it, you know, working a full-time job, building up your freelance career as well. How is your work-life balance now that you're full-time freelance? Oh, it's so much better. So much better. I mean, it's still very busy. Um, I'm trying to work on personal projects at the same time, but it's a lot better. I mean, I'm not working 
the thing with that with that London was that it was effectively a nine to five. However, it wasn't. It was nine to whatever time because we would be promoting launch parties, events, we'd be shooting sunrises. And so that took up a lot of time. And then I would also have to do my own private work as well. So now I can work on my own hours, which is really nice. I can manage my time. I can take days off when I want. Even though I normally work most days, I think that's like most people as well. Every day seems to be a work day, but it's fun and I love it. So it doesn't feel like work. You said in there about personal projects. So these are side projects that you've got going on at the moment. Yeah. So I, I try and do stuff I'm passionate about as well. It shouldn't all be about money. Obviously, photography is an art form and I love creating. So I do try and do a few projects that I'm passionate about. I've got a couple of books that are being released next year. So I've been working on those. They're going to be really, really cool. There's some really cool technology being put into the books as well. I don't know how much I can say about this, actually. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's really, really cool stuff. Um, I love documentaries as well. So I've been featured in a couple of documentaries that are coming out as well. And I'm also putting a lot of time into video. So actually learning shooting video. Yeah. Another thing I was going to, you know, you know, you mentioned the Instagram community. How about an in real life community as, as well? I don't know whether being a photographer is kind of a solo kind of thing or whether there's lots of people around you, whether being somebody working at home, it can be pretty isolating, for example. How, how's it for you? It can be, yes. I don't know. For me, I try and mix it up all the time. So funny enough, my Instagram community, I've met a lot of them and a lot of my peers who are also photographers and on Instagram, and we meet up and we go and explore. I mean, a lot of the content you see on my Instagram is hours and hours of walking around exploring, but I'm, most of the time I'm with people. So that's, that social element comes into play and we help each other when it comes to negotiating rates or giving each other advice. So that, yeah, it makes it feel a little less lonely, definitely. And funny enough, like the photography and arts industry, it can seem kind of small sometimes. Like a lot of people know each other. So you don't really feel like you're completely solo. No, that's a good, that's good. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me? Okay, so number one, I once performed at the Royal Albert Hall. Number two, I once had my details taken by police in Monaco. And number three, um, at age 30, I lived in Hong Kong for six months. So let's start with the Royal Albert Hall. Clearly, you're a talented musician. What what did you do at the Royal Albert Hall? Okay, so yeah, I was playing for an orchestra and we had the opportunity to play at the Royal Albert Hall. And I had a solo. It was wicked, really, really cool. They actually did this thing where whilst we were playing, they turned off all the lights in the Royal Albert Hall. And I didn't realize every single member of the audience had these little flashlights. And so when the lights went off, everyone turned on their flashlights and it was like 5,000 stars. It was crazy. Wow. It was incredible. Oh, man. Well, that sounds convincing. So, oh, Monaco, Monaco police. What were you doing in Monaco? So I was doing some photography work for a polo company who were doing some work in Monaco. I then decided to shoot the city at night while everyone else was sleeping. Because obviously the um, the Formula One track goes it's through Monaco, right? So I decided to walk through the tunnels. I didn't know the tunnels were off limits to um, to pedestrians. And so I'm walking down this tunnel getting these crazy shots and police pull me over, chuck me in the back of the car and they take me down to the station and take my passport details and question me, really. Do you speak French? Not at all. They weren't happy. They were not happy. How scary is that? And you lived in Hong Kong for six months just, just because you thought it would look good on camera? 
Um, it was a mixture of things. So like, I think when I, when I reached 30, I was like, okay, Hong Kong's always somewhere I've really wanted to experience um, living there. And so I had an opportunity come up from a publisher called Hypebeast. They do a lot of stuff in uh, street apparel, um, urban culture, that kind of thing. So they actually commissioned me to go and live out there with them because um, I actually found it in Hong Kong. So I stayed with them for six months, um, shooting campaigns and working with them. That was really cool. You have given excellent stories for each. Now, I am tempted to think, like, you sounded so emotionally involved in the first Royal Albert Hall story. But you sound, I don't know, you, that clearly sparked something from your youth, I think. I, I think that one is true. So, Monaco or Hong Kong? I mean, you do you do go. I mean, I've, I've seen your photographer. You clearly go to places late, late at night or early in the morning because often there's no people in them. Oh, I don't know. I think Monaco is true. I don't think you lived in Hong Kong. Congrats. Yeah. Yes! You're right. <laughs> and I lied about my age. I'm 24. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> Double life. Good work. I didn't think you were 30 and I was sitting there thinking, and have we missed a bit of your story from when you left university? Okay. <laughs> but that does mean you got arrested. Well, not arrested. Did they arrest you or did they just say, come with us? Yeah, they said, come with us. They put me in the car and they interrogated me for like, what? it must have been like 45 minutes. Oh, that's not what you need. Okay. So if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Okay. So... I would tell my younger self that don't talk about anything that isn't confirmed yet, I'd say, because obviously anything can happen. Like stuff falls through last minute all the time. So don't gloat about something that hasn't happened yet until the contracts are signed and until you're actually doing the work. Don't be blabbering your mouth, basically. <laughs> and yeah, just um, I think one for money, monetary reasons, save up and don't spend all of it on alcohol. And I think finally, make sure that you're putting money away for tax because paying tax all in one go is horrible. So make sure you've got enough to do it. Cool. Yeah. Sound advice. So we've just established that you haven't hit 30 yet. You're 24. Are you someone who has goals like looking that far ahead? Uh, not, not particularly, actually, no. I mean, I've got stuff I'd like to do, but I don't, I try and just go along with, go along with it basically and just trust that. I'll make the right decisions and stuff will come along, but also be smart about it. So I'm not just going in blindly, but I make sure the opportunities that do come up, I'm trying to take full advantage of them. So yeah, I think one thing I would like to do within like the next five years or whatever is to, to start up a, a collective effectively. So one that harbors photographers, videographers, graphic designers, um, musicians, um, and we all kind of have a united style or aesthetic that we can then, we can then shoot con uh, content for brands and put on shows. Nice. Yeah, what a good idea. Well, listen, it's been a brilliant chatting to you, Ron. Thank you so much. Go to beingfreelance.com. You can follow links through to what Ron is up to. Check out his work. Watch those Adobe videos that we mentioned. Link through to him on Instagram so that you can say hi and follow him there. And yeah, I mean, we all look forward to, to seeing what you do next. But Ron, thanks so much and all the best being freelance. Thank you, Steve. Absolute pleasure.